0: So we begin a preaching series called Mind Monsters. And I say Mind Monsters because our thoughts can greatly shape our life. That that what you think will inevitably dictate how you live your life. I'll give you an example. If you have a certain opinion about me, you go to somebody who's maybe negative about me, and you're going to ultimately, your your attitude, your life's going to be kind of shaped a little bit negative towards me. But then on the other hand, if you go talk to my mom about me, boy, you're going to be really positive about me, aren't you? Hi, mom, by the way. If you're, if you're watching what she does every week, we have like one podcast follower, and it's my mother. So thank you, mom. All right. <laughs> but, but here's the problem with that. The problem is, is that our thoughts, okay, our thoughts can also negatively impact our life. And these are the mind monsters that we're going to be talking about. And every single one of this affects all of us here because these, these mind monsters can drastically shape who we are and what we do. And here's an example. In the, fort, in the 1400s in, our, in, in the world, the world believed that the world was flat. And because of that, ships would never leave truly the harbor area. Why? Because they, they, they were scared that they would literally fall off the earth. And then there's Christopher Columbus. He comes along and, and the legend goes he's sitting, under, he's sitting under a tree and a butterfly lands on his leg and it begins to walk off of his leg and the butterfly disappears from his viewpoint. And he recalls, wait a minute, I've seen that before. A ship sailing away from the harbor and it disappears. And all of a sudden, voila, he goes, wait, the world isn't flat. It's round. And now today we get a Monday off Once a year, right? Thank you, Christopher Columbus, right? That's what we get to thank God or thank him for. Now, we may not think the world is flat, but we may have been in a painful relationship. And because that ended horribly, we may think to ourselves, man, I'll never venture into another relationship again. We may not think the world is flat, but... We'll, we'll think about all the things happening today, you know, Hurricane Harvey and the wars and all the things going on, political tension. And we may say, you know, what I'm just depressed all the time. We may not think the world is flat, but we may have grown up believing that God was Santa Claus or God was a, a, a giant Um, cosmic killjoy or that God doesn't even exist and there's no reason to go to church there's no reason to follow Jesus no reason even be involved in darkening the doors of a a, a gathering like this or or we may not think the world is flat but but we follow a risen savior but yet we feel so defeated all the time we may not think the world is flat but you may have been abused growing up and because you were abused growing up Someone in your family, they spun this the, the, the kind of the story and, and they spun the story in a certain way. That, so now that you feel like it's your fault and you look at the world completely different. See, if you answered yes to any of those. Or you've had these negative thoughts, these mind monsters that have impacted your life. My friend, you've been a victim to this very thing we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. And some of these thoughts have been passed down generation to generation. Your great-great-great-grandfather has passed that down to you. Thanks, Grandpa, right? And if he was confused and you're confused, and it's just adding to the confusion. Or maybe even the church put these thoughts there. Uh, maybe it was a, 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 a spiritual leader of some kind or, or the church as a whole. We're going to be talking about these creepy, shadowy Figures that feed us these thoughts, thoughts that are negative and untrue, thoughts that are mistruths about God, and, and, and also whisper lies about our worth and our identity. And what this does is this, this allows these mind monsters to live rent free and take up room and, and, and really control and shape our life. But here's the good news. This preaching series is going to teach us that God has a mission to transform your life through his spirit. And he's so smart. Here's how he's so smart. Because he gets at the very fundamental level of our life. And the very fundamental of our life is our mind. And he wants to transform our mind. And as he transforms our mind, there goes and shapes our life. He wants to do this in your life. And this was the very conviction of Paul. A couple thousand years ago, Paul, is on his third missionary journey, he's planting churches, and he's sitting in this city called Corinth, which is now modern-day Turkey, and he writes a letter to a group of Christians in Rome. And there we have the, the letter, the epistle, Romans. It's an incredible book. And he begins to write to these Romans, and he shares about the effect of the mind monster in their hearts and in their thoughts. Look at it with me in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the three words that I want to look at today from this scripture, and we're just going to go one by one at them. I'd love for you to underline them, highlight them, and really follow along in your listening guide. The first word is the word conform. Can you all say that with me? conform. The second word we're going to look at is transformed. Say that word with me, transformed. And the third word is renewing. Can you say that with me? Renewing. All right, so let's just go one by one together. Let's look at the first word, conform. Now, I want to teach you that Paul is using this word in a passive way. And what it does is it indicates that you can be, without even noticing, just kind of like swept away like in a creek Um, in the prevailing culture. Without even knowing it, you can just be swept away. And and what he does is he uses the word world, and the word there in the Greek is the word uh, eun, and it's the word that has to do with the contemporary generation and what they're believing. Now, what do they believe in this culture that Paul is talking to? say, hey, don't be conformed to this culture. Well, in Acts chapter 17, I'm not going to have you turn there, but you can read it later, he begins to talk about some of the cultural things that they're believing They believe that Mother Earth had created the humankind. But Paul says, no, 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 no. God, our Heavenly Father, created everything. They believe that they've arisen to this superior status, except for women. Women actually don't have any rights in that culture. But but Paul reminds them, first of all, that all all of God's creation is valuable and that none have arrived. They also think that Rome is is the greatest empire that have ever lived, which that was true. And they thought that they, 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 were, they have arrived and, and they had created everything. But Paul reminds them, hey, it's only because God allowed it to happen. And then they're creating truth for what they want it to be. And it would have been very easy for the Christians in Rome to get swept up, right? To be conformed. Fast forward 2,000 years later to today. And here's, here's the hard part. The, the, our culture is so good at marketing. So good at marketing the mind monsters. You know, and, and, and what we think about sex, what we think about relationships, what we think about our spouse, what we think about God, what we think about relationships and work. They've been marketing all these things. Things like this, like if we eliminate pain from our life, then everything will be good. But we live in a fallen world. Things like, we, it's our role to fix our spouse. That we can fix our spouse and we think that that's our role. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, got it, fixed her, done. Got it, fixed him. Man, that's good. No, 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 that's not our role, is it? Uh, you know, some of us here uh, or even the culture has said, you know, marriage is the solution. But, but is marriage the solution? No, marriage, marriage is great. I love my, my wife. Marriage is awesome. but Marriage is not the solution. Neither is divorce. Divorce isn't the solution. Another thing that this culture has marketed over and over again just create your own truth, create your own foundational level reality. And because of that, you can then operate in it, and then you can live the way you want to live. This is good, this is especially good. Something that we men have fallen into is like, if I can get this, then I will feel this way. If I can get this job or if I can get this 401k or if I can get this fishing pole or if I can get this rifle or if I can get, you know, this golf club or I can do this or I can do that, man, then I will get this. Our culture has also marketed the fact that if we have a broken relationship, the best way to recover that relationship is just to reject them altogether. But, but. There is no, that makes no sense to me. And one author said it this way, culture says be as healthy as you can, live as long as you can, get as rich as you can, be as comfortable as you can. And my question is, are all of these prevailing marketed thoughts, these mind monsters, really getting us where we want to go? No, the prevailing mind monsters, I believe, they don't bring purpose. They just bring pain. In Paul, he summarizes this quite well. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he says this, Our gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the visible image of God. You know, I recall the story of Daniel in Daniel chapter 1. That now he is deported to Babylon and he's confronted with these large architectural buildings. An excess of great proportion. It would have been very easy for him to be like, wow, swept away with it all. But him and his his associates, what happened is they stick and they stay true to what God has for them. And Paul would say, do not be conformed. The second word that I wanted to look at with you is the word transformed. We see this word in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus is said to be transfigured in front of his disciples. We also see this word used in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 where Paul is teaching the believers as they behold the glory of the Lord that they are transformed into his likeness. What an incredible thing that really is. But this word, it it, it comes from this understanding of a metamorphosis and Paul is using it in this grammatical way to indicate that it's a process that we're all a part of and we never are out of the process. It's not a one and done thing. We're not talking about UK basketball, okay? We are talking about a an ever changing transformational process. Okay? Some of you just like are UK fans and you're not even listening now. Okay? So Clue <laughs> come back in, all right? Especially you guys. Paul is saying, look, if you're not dead, you're not done. Paul was saying that the, the transformation is, is an ever part of everyday life. And this is why we exist as a church. We exist as a church, right? To see lives transformed in our, in our neighborhoods, in the next generation, in the nations of Jesus Christ. A great example of transformation, metamorphosis, is found in the transformation of a silkworm to a moth. I, I, I was reading this week and I just found this so fascinating. So this tiny little silkworm... In its short little life, in in a relative amount of time of four to six weeks, it eats a ton of food and it finds itself hanging off of a branch and it begins to spin this silk cocoon. And as it spins this small white silk cocoon in unbroken thread, it winds itself about 500 to 1,200 yards of thread. Ten football fields by this one little silkworm. And at any given time, this white cocoon is harvested, and it can be dropped into boiling water. It'll unravel the silk, and that is where we're able to find and get silk fabric. Now, this was all all found from the Chinese, and they've been been doing it for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And finally, the secret got out, and the Japanese uh, took it. And there you had the export of the silk fashion and silk fabric. But one of the things that threatens the silkworm and the cocoon itself is the fact that if you can stunt the metamorphosis of the silkworm, it will never fully mature. And the Chinese learned this, and so they would boil the cocoon, because if the silkworm would burst out of its cocoon to becoming a moth, then the thread would be broken. So they would boil the the cocoon, and they would get what they needed, and that was the silk thread. One author pointed out this week, and I just love this, that this is a lot like the metamorphosis of a believer. So many times we give our life, we try to follow Jesus, we do all these things, but so much so we are bound by our cocoon and we never truly break free because of the mind monsters in our life. How do we break free? How do we truly get past these things that so often shape our life. Well, well, Paul, he offers it here, right here in, in verse 2, when he says the renewing of your mind. Now, what, what is renewing? What does that look like? What is that process? Renewing, it, it's the act of restoring and improving what has already taken place. Did you know that our bodies, they produce new cells all the time? This is the act of renewal that a creek always leads to a larger body of water this is the process of renewal and, and spiritual renewal mind renewal leads to the knowledge of God and it also leads to the peace of God and the reason why that our mind needs renewal and to be renewed is because left by itself our mind is sinful it's in a state of loss. And left on its own accord, it will grow hostile to the things of God, to the supremacy of God, to the renown of God. And it will, left on its own, be dominated by mind monsters. It will t- the mind monsters will terrorize the mind without the renewal by Almighty God. Have you ever gotten up on a Monday and you're like, Oh, it's a miserable Monday. I got the blues. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to face the day. I don't want to face the week. I don't want to face the month. I don't want to face the year. Have you ever felt that way? Show of hands. You ever just felt like that? Yeah. Or, I, or has your day? You're like sailing along, and all of a sudden worry capsizes your entire day. And, and it affects your day, and it affects your week, it affects your month, it affects your, even your decade. And then we just hit play on the country song, right? Oh, I lost my dog. I lost my truck and my baby's gone too. You know, we've all, we all sing that song. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. This is why our mind must be renewed. This is why our mind must be in a constant state of renewal And Paul, he addresses this in 2 Corinthians ten five. He says, take every thought captive. Would you say that all out with me together? Take every thought captive. Turn to your neighbor and say, take every thought captive. Yeah. A great example of taking your thought captive, it has to do with this image. I was traveling to Indonesia earlier this year supporting and and going to visit missionaries that our church uh, primarily supports. And I'm sitting in the Hong Kong airport and there's this huge terminal, state-of-the-art terminal in Hong Kong, and there's all of these doors. And all these doors lead to airplanes that are all fueled up and they're ready to go and they're ready to take you or me anywhere that they're going. Now, how many of you have ever gotten on a plane that you didn't know where it was going? Now, I hope none of you have ever done that, right? Y'all want to know where it's going. But how often do we get on these planes? They're representatives, really, of our thoughts. And these planes, they take us places. And we didn't even hold these thoughts captive. They take us places like Self-Pity City. Or they take us to Discouragement District. Or they fly us to Anger Alley. Or they fly us to Negative Neighborhoods. And we get there and we stay in those places for days and weeks and months and years and even lifetimes. Because we don't take our thoughts captive. I I can't tell you how many times I've done this in my life. I don't even process it and I do it. Just the other day it was 9.35 at night and I got on a plane to Worryville. In Worryville, there, there is no sleeping in Worryville, is there? And I didn't sleep for hours worrying about this, worrying about that, because I didn't take my mind captive. One author it challenged my thinking this week. He pointed out that the reason so many of us struggle, so many Christians struggle with this process is because we spend our whole life trying to take our mind captive instead of training to take our mind captive. There's a difference. And, and he points this out. I, I just love this, that you can, you can decide to get into shape, but deciding to get into shape isn't going to get you into shape. But a, you, training to get into shape, that's actually how you get into shape. See the difference? And that, Paul makes that exactly clear and. 1 Timothy 4.7, he uses the word train, and it's the Greek word gymnazo, and it, and it means gym, it's where we get our word gymnasium. And what Paul is reminding his, his mentor, his apprentice, he's saying, look, I want you to train in the gym of God's Word. I don't want you trying on your own. I want you to train in the gym of God's Word. And as you do that, you will be able to hold every single thought captive. And you won't get on that plane to worryville. You won't get on that plane to anger alley because of the word of God that is supernaturally renewing your mind. What would it look like for you and for me to, to set aside 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, just renewing our mind in the gem of God's word, the truth of God's word, that it would that it would reorient our life and transform our life. And then we could draw back to it as the day goes along, back every single moment, renewing our mind, what God's word has said for us, so that as we go through our day, our culture markets these things that are misinformants, these mind monsters hoping to get rent in our mind, will no longer have any kind of room. There will be no vacancy. See, when we train, mind monsters flee. And this is when victory takes place. And this is when John chapter 10, verse 10 is, is seen that we live abundantly. So this morning, I believe God wants to transform each and every one of our lives through his word and through his encouragement and renewal. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to train just a little bit, all right? We're going to train on God's word for just a few minutes. And here's how we're going to do it. In Jesus, we have several things that we can step into. So what I want to do is there is going to be a slide. And there's going to be a a principle. There's going to be basically a truth that we all can experience in Jesus, and then I'm going to read a scripture. I want all of us in this place this morning to all say the truth together, okay? And and the first one, in Jesus, is this, that I am a child of God. Can you all say that with me together? I am a child of God. Yeah, Galatians 3 says, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Can we all say, in Jesus, the next one, I am Christ's ambassador. Let's say it. I am Christ's ambassador, Yeah, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The next one, let's say all this all out together, ready? I am a masterpiece. Ephesians 2, 10. Yeah, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work. Let's go to the next one. Ready? Let's say it all out together. I am joyful. I am gentle. I'm not easily offended and will not hold on to bitterness. I am patient, I am faithful, I am self-controlled, I am kind. And this all comes from the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians, as the Spirit of God moves in our life. Let's go to the next one. I am known even before I was born. Let's say that all together. I am known even before I was born. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you, God says. Let's go to the next one. Ready? Let's say it all together. I am loved. Do you believe that? That you're loved. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son. The next one. Let's go to the next one. Let's say all this all together. I am strong. Yeah, he says because you are strong and the word of God lives in you, you have overcome the evil one. Let's go to the next one. It says this. I am strong. That's right, because there is nothing that can take you from his hand if you're in Christ. And when you begin to feed your mind with this, you grow strong in the gem of God's word. And mind monsters have no control and have no way with you. But when we believe the lies, when we believe the lies, what begins to happen is mind monsters take control and they begin to alter the shape and course of our life. And we believe this. Some of you here today are thinking there is no way God could love me. There is no way. There's no way. You know how messed up I am, Ray? I have so many things that I've done. There is no, do you know what I've done, Ray? Well, here's what God wants to say. He loves you. And so much, in fact, that he gave his son for you, that he came to earth for you, that he would die for you. He would die for your sins on the cross. And three days later, he would rise from the dead. Why? So that he could literally prove who he says he is is true and, and, and squash and, and completely forgive every single solitary sin you ever committed. Everything you ever did, it's just to prove that he loves you and to provide a way for you to actually interact with God. To have a relationship with your Heavenly Father from now all the way into eternity. You say, you don't understand what I've done. You, do you know who Jesus hung out with every single day in his life? People like you, people like me. He, 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 they were messed up, they were fallen, and he said, come as you are, I don't want you to stay there, but come as you are, and I'm going to, through my power, metamorphose your life. And I've been praying for you this week, and here's, from the balcony all the way to the floor, here's what I want you to know, to say, I've been praying, I believe that God is starting to soften your heart and your mind and your life, and as he is starting to soften your mind and your heart, very right now, he wants to set you free. And He wants you to set you free beginning in a relationship with Almighty God. And how He wants to set you free is for you to come to the end of yourself, for you to come to the foot of the cross, and for you to say, Heavenly Father, I've sinned. Would you forgive me? I turn my face to you. I follow you. I will be your disciple. Save me. And from this point forward, God begins to give you the Spirit Of himself in you and through your life. And mind monsters have no control. And maybe you need to start right there. Maybe you need to start right there. Declaring Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Or maybe today you need to just... You're in a place where you've been following Christ. But they, these mind monsters, have been ruling and reigning in your life. And you need to believe the truth that we just read. You need to believe truth. To say that we are more than conquerors in him who loves us. You need to believe the truth of God's word and work out in the gym of his word. Because here's the thing. You're sitting in a terminal and your life is ticking away moment by moment. And there's door after door after door after door. And you're presented with opportunities to get on those airplanes. And the truth of God's word is always going to lead you to one particular one. And it's going to fly you to a place and a destination to his, as Paul later says, his pleasing and perfect will. And that will is a place where ultimately you will become more and more like him.